Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. And away we it's the Fantasy Sports Today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That is FNTSY. Thanks so much for joining us on this Saturday morning, April the 6th. Dan Trevor, Mike Blewett with you, taking you through the world of sports. But first and foremost, and most important, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. That uh, lead-in to the show, that take did not age well. And it's I, I shout-out to my producers because they're great people. But it's sort of an incomplete thought because I'm only I'm only trying to state that that had to be part of the interview process with the caveat that if Steve Kime and uh, Cliff Kingsbury and the Bidwells are on the same page of moving on from him, then so be it. It just would have had to been flushed out during the interview process. I'm simply stating that Kingsbury couldn't come in there and after he gets the job, put his foot down and be like, I can't work with Rosen. Like, that's part of the conversation of taking it. Like, can you make Josh an all-pro quarterback? Or you think we need to move on to Kyler Murray? Like, that would be part of that process, right? I I would think so. It's one of those fun things uh, to think about NFL interview processes uh, in line with, you know, me going to interview for a new job. Like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, you know, I see myself as a Super Bowl winning winning, uh, coach or uh, bagging groceries somewhere uh, on the West Coast. Uh, Really appreciate the time here. And I think Josh Rosen sucks. Wait, what? Wait, what did you just say to us? (laughs) What's happening? Um, I, I think so. I think you would have to have... It's sort of the, the, the presentation, right? He probably had to walk in the door and say, this is what I think we need to do, do to win and move forward. I know they were enamored with him because of his offensive prowess, uh, the air raid offense, whatever you want to call it. But I'm, I am still, and I get that I am in a .001% minority here. Um, I'm still sort of thinking the Cardinals are throwing up a smokescreen here. I, I there's just so much outward information on Rosen being traded that I feel like it's too much. Uh, I will get to, to the NFL later on. We'll talk about this further, but I, I just feel like I get where, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and this has been widely reported that they're taking Kyler Murray, but I just think they're waiting for someone to overpay for that number one overall pick. And then they <clears throat> hunker down because Rosen's going to be at practice at, at workouts. Yeah. He's going to be there. I don't it's know. We'll talk about that more later. What you're saying, absolutely. I, I I would love to see that. I'd love to see the the you know them pull the rug out from underneath someone after they give them you know three ones, two twos, and and something else for a number one yeah. pick for a five foot six quarterback. Um, I understand. I know that. he's not five foot six. I understood that. I, to I the Bears. Five foot six. Um, that's true. There you go. Uh, let's uh, dive in here. We want to talk about a lot of things this morning. We have three hours to get through it all, and it seems like a lot of time. Then all of a sudden. 11 o'clock hits, and we've missed out on half the things we wanted to discuss. But um, we have the NCAA tournament. We'll get to that momentarily here in the first segment. Uh, NBA playoffs scenarios are winding down. It's actually a pretty crazy end, uh, both on the Western Conference and Eastern Conference in the bottom half of those seedings. Uh, basically, the right to lose in the first round up for grabs. Uh, but we'll get to that later on as well. And tons of Major League Baseball. There's action today. We can preview that a tiny bit. But injuries, uh, potential waiver wire pickups for your fantasy baseball teams we'll get to that in our number three but I want to start with something that it's so amazing how this happens in sort of my subconscious and I think the sports subconscious as a whole uh, the NCAA tournament is still ongoing the final four is tonight but once that sweet 16 ends I think the the national blitz of information sort of fades into the background especially with all the other sports happening we get to ramp it back up as we have UVA and Auburn Michigan State and Texas Tech what I find intriguing here, and we'll preview the game's next segment, but more from the national storyline, Mike, 
all of it was pointing to Zion, right? Like that's where the NCA put their money. That is where the media put their money. That is what CBS wanted to see. Zion Williamson in the Final Four, making a run at a championship. But here we are. He is not in the Final Four, but it still seems like he's the major story. He's the storyline. So Mike, uh, Mike will be right back. Uh, but what I find intriguing here is that you have Zion Williamson, who is a absolute uber talent, and the NCAA and Duke and CBS and everyone else went all in on Zion Williamson being the focal point of this tournament, that he was a foregone conclusion to be there when the championship came around. And that in doing so, it, it propped up Zion Williamson as a, a, an Uber prospect, which we knew already. He was already, you know, an Instagram star and a Twitter follow. And uh, he had sort of the makings of the next LeBron. I don't say that, but that's what you've heard a lot. But what's happened here is you've gotten this marketing idea and this marketing campaign around this Duke team, and then they lost. And that's the the beauty of the NCAA tournament is that, yes, the number one seed can lose and does lose often. And now we have four teams that are somewhat faceless, somewhat, you know, not these exciting or at least as far as we've been told by the media coverage. These aren't teams that matter as much. These aren't the exciting Duke Blue Devils, the one and dones who Mike Krzyzewski has turned his career on over the past couple of years, you have to remember that Shashevsky specifically, and this Duke Blue Devils, I almost said franchise, school, <laughs> the Duke school and the Duke uh, athletic administration, and the, the way they ran their program was four-year players. It wasn't too long ago that a player leaving Duke early was a big national story. It was a huge story. If a player left after their junior year, because Shashevsky recruited four-year players, the landscape has changed. It's changed. The Washington Post had an article in the middle of March about Shashevsky and how he had specifically been somebody who had been outspoken about the one and done, about the idea that players aren't staying long enough and you're not developing talent and you're not developing any sort of chemistry to being probably one of the best, if not the best right now at cycling through these one and done players. And now you have Zion Williamson, who though he is not there is still one of the major storylines. That's a credit to him, a credit to Duke, but it's also, it's a problem for the NCAA. It's a problem for CBS. And it's just something that I find really, really telling about the way we ingest these sports and, and take in a storyline like the NCAA tournament. What's, what's amazing is even though he is not there, he's part of the story. ESPN has an entire article on their front page of their website dedicated to Zion Williamson's scouting report of each of the final four teams. To each of it. So you have... Zion sitting down and talking through each matchup. And again, he is more than, you know, right to do so. He's being asked. And, and of course, there is the ability here for the media to, to get a story with his name in it. We're talking SEO. We're talking search engine optimization where people are searching for him. As the uh, NCAA tournament winds down, the NBA draft heats up in, in a few months. It's going to be all about Zion. So, I don't begrudge anyone doing this, but we have a, an article on the front page of ESPN.com about Zion's take on each team. Now, he's played all four. You know, he he talks about playing against Virginia, what stood out about them, you know, how Michigan State played them when he went for 24-14 in the Elite Eight. He's talking about their motion offense, Texas Tech they played at Madison Square Garden in December. So he he is somebody who has the right frame of mind what to to what, to talk about these teams, but we're so focused on him that we're missing out on other storylines. And that maybe it's me. That's possible. 
Maybe I'm not seeking out the other stories, but the fact that the largest sports provider really in the country has this as one of their main stories just shows, one, his reach. You read a lot of stories about Duke's Twitter handle and how much it it blossomed this year because they're sharing highlights of Zion Williamson. They're sharing highlights, and, and as that grew and grew and grew, Duke's Twitter handle blew up. Duke's basketball Twitter handle. And we can't really know quite yet. We can look at applications, but he's a one and done. So are our students, meaning academic students, taking the time to apply to Duke when, in fact, he's gone? Well, we don't know. And what's also an intriguing storyline here is that the type of player Zion is, transcendent, obviously a physical um, he is somebody that number one overall still need to see how he plays in the NBA where there are multiple players who are of his physical acumen, where there are people who, who can body him, where there are people who can get in the trenches with him and can be on a similar athletic plane. You know, I know LeBron doesn't play much defense right now, but maybe uh, Zion and, and LeBron banging bodies could be an intriguing matchup, but will he be as dominant? No, of course not. But as this happens, there's discussions in the NBA about changing the one and done rule. About getting rid of the one and done rule, allowing college players to to make their way. And here's the thing about that on an overall editorial standpoint for me is I, I think... Anyone, any individual should be able to pursue their career at any point they want. Full stop. If you are talented enough in molecular biology, as you are talented enough in torts law, as talented enough as you are in veterinary science, as talented as you are in baseball, or basketball, or football, you should be allowed to pursue that career. Now, there are going to be obvious question marks of a 19-year-old playing the NFL simply because of the wear and tear and the the you know carnage of that sport. But if someone's talented enough and mature enough, both physically and mentally and emotionally, why shouldn't they be allowed to play? So the NBA putting in this rule I thought was backwards and really not giving true understanding of these players. But the big thing for me here is that now the NBA will make this move. Believe it's going back to 18. There are rules in place that a kid can go play in the G League or play overseas. Fine. But what's coming here is a move that the NBA is making along with federal legislators there there are people you know in in government who are looking to make this change and Mike Shashevsky who has become a very big proponent of one and done or at least maybe not proponent but a big part of it and a, a, a understanding member of this process he says the NCAA is not ready he was quoted a couple weeks back made this a week back as saying the NBA will be prepared, continuing with the quote here, the NCAA is not prepared right now. They need to be in concert with the NBA in developing a plan that is specific for men's college basketball. And that should include when an athlete gets, how he's taken care of, whether or not there's a re-entry if something really it's deep, meaning a re-entry if something goes wrong in the pro level, um, if he doesn't get drafted, if he you know has an injury, whatever it might be. If we only look at it shallow, then we're doing a disservice to the kids. So what happens here? What happens next if we go back to the model where high schoolers can jump straight to the NBA? The whole argument for a while was, oh, NCAA tournament, NCAA basketball is going to diminish. Potentially a little bit. You're not going to have the Zion Williamson for the one year. But will more teams develop chemistry over four years? Will we see more two-and-done players? Will we see players like uh, John Morant who comes out of nowhere for a Murray State and leaves after a sophomore year? Of course. 
And that's going to continue to be the way this process works because there are only so many spots in the NBA. 12 active roster, 15 full roster. You have the G League. But there are only so many spots. And think of how many college basketball teams there are. And you're just diminishing the returns as you get older and older as a basketball prospect. So, yes, things are going to change. And, yes, maybe the NCAA isn't ready, as per Mike Krzyzewski. And I'm going to take his word at it, right? This is a guy who's been doing this. And I'm going to assume, not be surprised, that the NCAA is not prepared for something. Because they've shown us time and time again that they don't get fully what's going on in their landscape. We see that. We know that. But how much does it change the actual sport? I don't think it changes that much. I think we still have a great NCAA tournament. I think we still have one right now. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment. We're going to take a look at a preview for the NCAA tournament. The final four is tonight. Championship game is Monday. Plenty to get to there. Hopefully we get Mike Blue back in a little bit. We'll check in across Major League Baseball and NFL as well. Back with more after this on Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Dan Strafford back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Saturday morning, we roll on. Leading up to 11 o'clock here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network when the weekend sports update comes your way. Rolling solo for a bit here as we try to get Mike Blue back in line. If we don't, we'll make through. We'll make it work. We always do, right? That's why we're here. So, we have two national final four games on tap for Saturday night. An exciting end to the NCAA tournament. And again, I said in the first segment, you're going to have people who say flat out that it's just not a draw. That you don't have that one player that draws you in. There's no Carmelo. There's no you know, Jay Williams. There's no Zion Williamson. right? There's no one star here that makes you want to watch. But these are four good teams. These are four good teams that should put on a show for us uh, in the NCAA tournament. And you have a lot of questions around Auburn and Virginia and whether or not Virginia can finally break through fully. They're minus five and a half favorite over Auburn than Michigan State and Texas Tech. Michigan State minus two and a half. We have Mike Blue back on the line. Mike, how are you? Yeah. Uh, technical issues are a good time, so apologies for the quality of the connection, but uh, I'm going to work by phone, at least for the uh, short term, and try to get back online uh, in a moment. But to your point about Auburn, Virginia, you know, it's funny, last week we talked about, I was on with Joe Galena, you're in here, but you and I have talked all through the tournament about Virginia and their inability to sort of blow teams out. They make the final four in spectacular fashion and ironically hit a couple of free throws at the end of overtime to go to cover the number. And I thought all day that minus four and a half against Purdue, I would take Purdue, even though I was rooting for Virginia. I needed Virginia for my brackets, all this other kind of stuff. So I do think that I, I would definitely take the points. And this is a really interesting game because of contrasting styles. Virginia is trying to keep you out of your offense, and Auburn doesn't even want to let you set up on defense. They just run it down the floor. So they've obviously been really impressive after escaping New Mexico State. And here we are. And it's the, the contrasting style, the, what is it, the immovable force against the uh, unstoppable object, however that goes. I know I butchered it. Yes, sir. But uh, – so that that's what makes this game interesting to me. I really don't know how it's going to play out. I'm going to shade Virginia because one would think that Auburn might have cooled off in you know in the 
in the four or five days since they last played. Yeah, and that's one of those I was saying that often I think the NCAA tournament takes a backseat during the week because people just forget about it. It's not front and center, so you get Major League Baseball uh, warming up. You get the NBA playoffs scenarios coming down the, the wire typically around this time. The NHL, for those of you who are into that, uh, George Kurtz, I'm talking to you. Um, you, you get these other storylines that get flooded, and so the NCAA tournament takes a back seat, and now we ramp back up. What I am intrigued by here from a wagering perspective and, and whether or not Virginia can cover that minus five, five and a half is a story I saw on a couple of different outlets, and I finally was able to find the, the actual article here, that Auburn's dealing with a bunch of sick players that the team is uh, Jared Harper, uh, Bryce Brown. These guys are all dealing with the same colds we've been dealing with, right? The, the, the yeah. stuffy nose, the, the hacking cough. The, but they're dealing with it Thursday into Friday when they're trying to get ready for the biggest game of their life up until now. Uh, and listen, I get it that they're athletes and this is part of what happens, but think about how you feel working when you're sick. And how you feel about when you sit down or, or have to go outside if you're in construction. You don't want to do it. And so these are some of the best players on this team who are being hampered by being sick. That's a legitimate issue. Now, will we get more information on it? Probably not. No, this is probably the story we get. Tigers coach Bruce Pearl said Harper wouldn't be 100% if the game were on Friday. But the guards should be fine by Saturday. I assume they're getting lots of fluids. They're getting IVs yeah. probably to keep them hydrated and keep them up to speed. But I think this is a legitimate thing to keep an eye on early on in this game, whether or not Auburn has the legs that we expect them to. And I think you make the great point, too, where I was going of Auburn wish, wish they played the next day. Like Auburn's the sort of team yeah. that wish they could get right back out there and play. That's right. It was really helpful to them. Like they, For those that didn't, I mean, everybody's seen the highlights now of the Auburn-New Mexico State game. Auburn had was in control of that game and in the last five minutes of that first-round game. They were a complete disaster, turning the ball over. Uh, they made mistakes. New Mexico State actually made a huge mistake, uh, kicking it out for three when they had a wide open layup to tie it. Uh, but then they get the ball. Then they get three free throws. Don't hit those. Then they get a wide open three with a second left, which would have been possibly the biggest upset of the first round. We had a bunch of upsets, but that would have been yet another big one. In fact, they would have gone four for four on five seeds losing. So uh, what I would say is the the one point you made through all of that, look, they're going to get fluids. They're getting the best possible care and the most rest imaginable, more so than you or I or anybody else out there would get, um, you know, hospital type treatment. So I I think they'll be okay. But the one point you made is about their legs. Like if they're not a hundred percent, and Virginia is wearing you down, and these games are knockdown, drag out type of games often. Then you know, if you're going to OT or it is a tight game at the end, like will they be more tired? I don't know. It, it just they're already missing Okiki because he tore his ACL. I di- that's why I didn't think they'd beat Kentucky. They deserve to beat Kentucky because Kentucky just didn't play a good game. And keep in mind, they were losing in the last minute. You know, for those that you know, Michigan State and and Auburn were both losing in the last minute. Um, it destroyed my brackets on Sunday. I had a Duke <laughs> Kentucky final in one, uh, which would have been a huge bracket win. It's not going to happen now, obviously. But for those types of games that go down to the wire, do they have all the legs that they might otherwise have? So I'm going to go with UVA, but I would take Auburn to cover because I don't ever expect UVA, UVA to push a, a good team to the brink and like beat them by double digits. I wouldn't expect it in this scenario. I didn't expect it against Purdue. I'm wrong because of a foul at the end of overtime. You know, that's, that's the way basketball goes when you're doing spreads. Uh, I, I feel like you're so much better off betting totals and, and money lines in basketball than you are spreads because of the ability to backdoor cover. Yeah, we've seen the Golden State Warriors so many different times at the end of a quarter hit a three that covers um, on the quarter quarter spread. It's just amazing to see uh, how many times they've done that. You see the highlights a lot of times on Twitter from the different handles uh, you follow maybe for some wagering advice, but pretty crazy. I, I stay away from those wagers for, for damn sure. I, I do find the other matchup tough to gauge and I think you nailed it with Virginia I just I think we have to believe who they are when it comes to the way they play the game and they are not blowing people out 
It's just not what they do. It's not how they play. It's not the way they win. So I will stay away from that spread for sure. The other matchup, I get not betting against Tom Izzo, right? You've seen this guy do it many times before. He's a talented coach. Take the early tournament shenanigans and all the discussion around his behavior aside. I think that it's pretty easy to see why he is so good at what he does and how he gets this team prepared. And this is a talented bunch of players who play together and all those, you know, cliches you hear about big 10 teams, but this is a really talented Texas tech team. Uh, This is a a Texas tech team that plays defense that does some things that I don't think you expect necessarily out of this conference. And I, I think it's a team that's flown well under the radar for most of the year from a national coverage perspective they've gotten their you know their shine when necessary and they've been part of you know the discussion but it just hasn't been a focal point along with the blue bloods you typically hear about kentucky's and the dukes and the unc's and some of the big 10 schools how do you handicap this one do you think texas tech has a a fighter's chance at minus two and a half to pull this off or do you think michigan state and and tom Izzo Izzo are just too much of a hill to climb here in the final four yeah uh, i was at the final four last year and in watching those games in San Antonio, to be honest, it was a very unsatisfying Final Four as far as basketball was concerned because Villanova yep. annihilated Kansas. Uh, if people remember back, I think they won that game by 18, may, maybe more, and it could have been 40. Like they took, Villanova was up 20 in that game about 10 minutes in. And they took their foot off the gas almost for the last 25 minutes of that game. They took their foot off the gas. That game was over. Similarly, in the Loyola-Michigan game, Loyola was really, really a lot of fun to watch. And they pushed as hard as they could. But because of the lack of depth that they had, there was a moment at which they just ran out of gas and Michigan just took over. It was, if I remember correctly, about... The 12 with 12 minutes left in the game, it was obvious. Like Loyola started turning the ball over, they looked tired, and Michigan just took care of it. And that game ended up being sort of a blowout. Now, I'm setting that up because I actually don't think either of these games will go that route. I think you have a couple of closer games tonight. Virginia trying to keep it close, keeping the points point total down, and you know, winning another tight one. It's why I don't always like them to advance because they play so many tight games. Um, on the other side of things, I just have to bet on Izzo here to get it done. It's an unremarkable Michigan State team as far as star talent is concerned, but Cassius has been on fire. He's an underrated player nationally. For those of us that watch college shoots, they know he's Big Ten Player of the Year. He's a great player. On the flip side, Culver is the first time really a lot of people are getting to learn about how good he is and what kind of an NBA prospect he will be. So I'll shade Michigan State, but I do think Texas Tech has a chance. I just think they've been playing great basketball. They just have been. Of, of the four teams here, you know, they're the ones that have never really been in jeopardy. It's, uh, I think these will be fun games. I think the NCAA tournament, I was talking uh, during the first segment about the lack of star power here to an extent and how even though Zion isn't here, he's still part of almost every story that's written, right? That, and I, I made the, the point, Mike, that it's, it's SEO. It's, it, these writers know that people are searching for Zion Williamson, and so the stories continue to revolve around him. But it does feel like a little disservice to the other four teams. ESPN has a story up, uh, talked about in the first segment, of uh, him scouting the four Final Four teams because he's played them all. And I get it. He's a good source there for at least some content, but it really feels like the media outlets and the NCA is still trying to pull people in with Zion Williamson, even though he will not be present on the court. Yeah, I just think that's the nature of what you're talking about. That's the state of media and people just trying to get, they're, they're playing to, you know, there's still NBA stories being written every day about LeBron and they're a team that's right. long really been out of the playoff race but he's a superstar and people read about him. And even when you and I are tired of the stories, it seems that it doesn't matter because it get, it gains some level of 
advertising revenue for people clicking on stories. So I, I don't think there's any way for us to change that. I can only, <clears throat> and we can only do our part by talking about Cassius Winston and Culver and Harper and Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and Jaquite and that entire Virginia team, which is really well-rounded. They don't play a deep bench either. <clears throat> he re- like Ty Jerome played 45 minutes wow. against Purdue. Some of the other guys played 45, 43. <clears throat> he really only used seven players that whole game. So can they do that against Auburn at that pace? I don't know. That's why it's so important that Virginia gets to play their pace because if Auburn starts running and the point totals are pushing up to 80, yep. Virginia's going to be in trouble. Yeah, I, this is the wrong analogy. I will admit that off the top here, Mike. But Virginia's feel <clears throat> to me and how they go about these games reminds me so much of old school Princeton teams. It just feels like they try to slow everything down, keep it close, be in control, force their tempo on other teams. Whereas this Auburn team just wants to get out and run. Like they they just want to run up and down the court. And maybe I'm I'm simplifying things a little bit too much there, but I it does feel like two completely different styles here that are going from a basketball perspective. I love that. Right, like I don't want to see necessarily a track meet of two teams just running up and down the floor with no defense being played. This is going to be a fun one to see contrasting styles and exactly how Virginia can slow the pace or can Auburn sort of break it open and get Virginia to, to run with them uh, is one of the big storylines of this game. Any any score guesses? I know I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but any guesses of, of where the Virginia-Auburn game does end up uh, maxing out? Yeah, I'll go... I'll go something like 69-65 Virginia. I, I think it's yep. right in that range. Yeah, I think you're right, though. If, we, if we're seeing point totals that are pushing towards 75-80, that's a, a big boon for Auburn. Uh, some stories from around college basketball while we're on the topic. Uh, Zion Williamson did win AP Player of the Year, not surprising there. Uh, John Calipari coming out saying he didn't know Zion would be that good. Well, all right, Cal. Good of you to say that after the fact, but uh, yeah. he is that good. Um, TCU's Jamie Dixon no longer in the mix at UCLA. Seems like, Mike, that was a buyout issue uh, that UCLA didn't want to pay his buyout and Texas uh, TCU didn't want to reduce his buyout. So he's no longer in the mix at UCLA. And, That's awkward. Uh, That's an awkward Whoa. scenario. He's a t- he's a TCU guy. It's obvious that he is already looking in another direction. Even though he's done a he's doing a decent job getting TCU to a point where they're competitive within the Big Twelve, where they weren't for a really long period of time. Um, and for him to have dalliances with uh, UCLA and be like, nah, I'm good. I'll just stay here. You know, uh, it, it puts them in an awkward scenario. Well, it's that, you know, you're talking about a divorce with your wife, and they'll be like, no, nah, I'm fine. You know what? I was wrong. I, That's right. We'll, That's right. we'll hang on a little while yeah, we'll longer. Everything will be fine. Yeah, we'll work it out. That's right. We'll work it out. We'll, we'll stay together for the kids. Everything, everything's fine, honey. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, Fred Hoiberg, the new Nebraska head coach, will be required. I just find this uh, like a massive amount of money. Uh, Fred Hoiberg will be required to pay the university between $5.25 million and $11.5 million if he leaves to take on another college co- coaching job in the next five years. So two things here. One, very specifically says college. So if it's an NBA job, he would owe $2.5 yep. million. And then to right. two hundred fifty thousand in year five, so he gets that as part of his contract. But that's a huge buyout. Now I don't know how many people are going to be knocking down the door for Fred Hoiberg. Um, he hasn't had necessarily the best career coaching, but clearly Nebraska wanted him. Uh, and this is a huge buyout. Do you think we're going to see more and more of these these massive amounts of buyout uh, from a university that then gets negotiated later on? Yeah, I I just think that stuff's that language has been uh, growing for a while. They don't want people job jumping on them, especially if you're a big university like that, uh, whose basketball program has been stuck in neutral to reverse for a long period of time. It's like one of the more difficult places to try and build a hoops program for some reason. Uh, but I think you will continue to see language like that, so guys don't job jump on you. We will come back on the other side and turn our attention to the professional ranks of basketball, the NBA playoff scenarios coming up right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Trapper, Mike Blewett, back with more on the other side of this break.
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. On the other side of this break here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett with you. Happy to be with you on this Saturday morning. Don't forget, with Major League Baseball season now in full swing, it's time to swing for the fences. Playing Daily Fantasy Baseball with DailyRoto.com. Become their eighth $1 million winner or another one of the countless numbers of people who have won hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars using DailyRoto.com to help set their DraftKings or FanDuel MLB lineups. If you're playing MLB DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Enter promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount. You'll get lineup alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates, fantasy projections, and the use of the lineup optimizers that have already produced millions in DFS winnings. That's the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use promo code FNTSY and get your 10% discount today. We turn our attention to the National Basketball Association. We'll talk some baseball later on. But, uh, Mike, we come down the wire here, and I guess this happens every year, and I'm probably one of many sports radio hosts who say, I don't remember it being this crazy last year. probably happens more often than uh, I can even remember. But it does feel like there is a lot of vying here for playoff position between 6 and 8 in both conferences that I don't remember nearly as much in the past. In the East, it's the Magic, Nets, and Pistons. We'll talk a little bit about the Celtics and Pacers uh, next segment. But uh, on the West, you have the Clippers, Thunder, and Spurs all separated by a game. It's eight and a half games back for the Clippers to nine and a half games back for the Spurs. Spurs dropping back to the eighth seed last night. Same with the Pistons dropping to the eighth seed. Orlando jumping up to the sixth seed somehow or another. Am I wrong in feeling like this is a little bit more jumbled and a little bit more messy towards the end than it's been in the past? Or, or do you well, feel like this both, is more exciting? You have yeah. it in both conferences this year. Last year, the Western Conference was pretty insane, actually. Right. For, yes. From three through nine, they were separated by, I want to say, two to three games. So right. uh, for people saying, well, look at the Spurs. They were a three seed last year. It's like, well, yeah, but they were a couple of – you know, they were a, a last second buzzer beater or, or two away from being out of the playoffs at the same time. So um, I think that speaks to the parity in the conference, the competitiveness of the conference. I don't think it means that there were a bunch of bad teams, you know, um, but here we are, 79 games in, I believe. So just a few games left for a lot of these teams, the Rockets trying to come on strong. I don't think I, mean, I don't think they're going to get that two seed. Uh, but we'll see. You know, right now they'd be playing, they would be playing the Clippers. Would you rather play right. the Clippers or the Thunder? The Thunder have been kind of a mess, but you're dealing with two superstars on the other side. Well, I, I'm blown away by the Clippers, to be quite honest. This is a team that ran out Gilgis Alexander, Landry Shamet, um, it's just uh, Zubach is their starting center. I don't get how they're doing what they're doing this year. Um, Maybe it's just getting rid of Austin Rivers and everything else turns into uh, wonderful, wonderful basketball. But they do have two tough games here. It's Golden State and Utah. That is the Clippers to round out uh, their season. The The Western Conference is a good place to focus. We have the Oklahoma City Thunder, who to me are the one team that might be able to challenge the Warriors early on here. I know the Rockets, people are going to point to that. I just feel like Russell Westbrook and Paul George together uh, give the the Thunder a little bit more of a, a push here against Golden State. I still think Golden State's far and away your, your Western Conference Finals winner and goes on to win the NBA championship. But this is an Oklahoma City uh, team that I think could give them some problems. Would you prefer to play the Warriors round one and hope to surprise them? Or do you think it's just whenever you get them, you have to hope that you're having the best four games of the season for your team? 
Yeah, I think you look at it much in the same way like the NCAA tournament unfolds. It's a tournament, right? So <clears throat> you do your best to get home court advantage for as long as you can in the NBA playoffs. But to hope that you play the Warriors early or late, I, I think you just – if you're a good enough team – you just take on all comers. You know, I know there's a lot of, just to make the comparison back to the NCAA tournament, there's often a lot of hand-wringing and TV shouting that uh, comes in to play regarding seedings of teams. Yep. But I've all, I've for a long time thought, if you're a top four seed, what are you complaining about? You're just going to have to play that three seed, that two seed, that one seed anyway so look at auburn they're a five seed they beat kansas and north carolina and kentucky and new mexico state so they didn't complain about who they played they just played those teams and they beat them and there they are i think similarly here like yeah i don't want to play the warriors in round one and i don't want to but if if the spurs are good enough then they'll beat the warriors that's really the way i look at it it didn't really matter when you play them uh i understand the question and it's fair to debate whether it's better to get them early or late. I would say late, just so maybe they're a little bit more tired. But ultimately, you shouldn't really complain about when you play the Warriors. If you want to complain about when you play the Warriors, then win more basketball games and become the one seed. That's, I think that's a great point. I forgot to bring this up last segment. You brought up the NCAA tournament again, so it does give me a little bit of dovetail back into it. I don't know if you saw the story heading into last weekend about a guy from maybe Columbus, Ohio. Is that where he was from? Let me double check. Uh, I'm not finding it. Uh, yeah, uh, Columbus, who had a perfect bracket going into the weekend. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. Was st- um, <laughs> It's one of those, like, the NCAA tournament is so unforgiving when you get things wrong because he was perfect going into uh, last weekend and then had Duke, Gonzaga, and U- uh, University of Kentucky as three of his four Final Four teams. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now he just has UVA remaining and had Gonzaga winning uh, over Kentucky. So all of a sudden, <laughs> all of those... Perfect bracket scenarios go. It was flying a really out chalky. It was a really chalky bracket this year. Yep. And I didn't do particularly well in the first round because I picked a few upsets. Um, yep. I just picked the wrong ones. You know, I, I didn't have Liberty, but I had I, I don't remember somebody. I picked, I picked Belmont everywhere, right? And I picked Yale over LSU. So those things just didn't happen. But I was looking really darn good when I got to the Elite Eight in my big bracket. Uh, that I had is probably 200 competitors in it. I was in eighth place after Saturday night's games, and I was in the best position. Uh, even though I was in eighth, I had the best, I had the highest possible score of everybody yep. remaining. And then Duke and Kentucky lost, and it's over because that was, it's that was all, my finals. That was it. It all comes crumbling down. I had seven uh, of eight. I had seven of eight. I had the first two in. I had Texas Tech and UVA. But I had Duke and Kentucky, and that was it. So it, it fell apart. I'm out of the money easily. You know, It's not, not even close anymore. So I think there's just too much variance there, and you can cry over tip-ins and last-second shots and all that kind of stuff, but you're just praying on luck to get uh, you know to go 48 to 48 in those first two rounds. Oh, totally. And I will uh, complain about variance any chance I get. So uh, I, I, did, I didn't even fill out a bracket in anything competitive this year. I filled one out on like the NCA or, or sure. CNN, whatever the free one was. <laughs> um, but I did not because I just it, it almost has taken away from the tournament for me. I know a lot of people who wager, they'll say, you know, well, that's why I care. And, and that's true. The you know, NFL has grown because of sports betting. Absolutely. And fantasy football and the NCA clearly has to understand somewhere in a back room, though they won't say it publicly, that brackets and gambling make people care about the NCAA tournament. But I found that I got almost disenfranchised when my bracket busted. Like I almost backed away from it quicker and more heavily when I was monetarily invested in my bracket. That's all shows that usually my bracket would bust pretty early on. But I, Yeah, um, I think your approach has to be, if you're a college hoops fan, <clears throat> I think you have to be – I think you fill that bracket out. You can spend as much time at, on it as you want, but I'll tell you from experience, the brackets that I've spent less time on have probably done just as well as the ones that I've spent a lot of time on. 
Um, there have been some years where I've watched as much college basketball as anybody you know. I wouldn't say this year was that year. I watch, I still always watch a lot, but uh, I just couldn't watch as much this year as I have in the past. And certainly I didn't see as many live games as I normally go to. I usually would probably right. hit a dozen or two dozen college basketball games in a given year. So <clears throat> if from that standpoint, I think you fill it out, you put it aside, have fun with it. And those first four ga- four days in the NCAA tournament should be a lot of fun. You really shouldn't even be thinking about your bracket yet because right. those results don't really matter. If your champ gets knocked out in the first weekend, see you later. Let's just enjoy the games for the rest of the time. I know what you're saying. I can understand that dynamic. But I think you have to really work to just be like, ah, let's just put this thing aside. If it happens, it happens. You know, For me, I got it really excited on Saturday night because when I, I checked the standings of my one bracket, I was yep. in eighth place. So from that point, I got excited, but I still watched the entire Duke-Kentucky game, and I still watched the entire, or rather, uh, Michigan State-Duke game and the Kentucky-Auburn game, both of which went against me. But I'm excited for the Final Four. I'm I'm bummed I'm not there this year, but I got a chance to go the last few years, so I'll I'll be all right. Uh, News out of uh, the college basketball ranks in New Jersey. Uh, Kevin Willard is withdrawing his name from the Virginia Tech search. He'll be staying at Seton Hall. Seton Hall has had a pretty good run here the past couple of years. Willard's credited with a lot of that. Miles Powell may go to the NBA draft. He has put his name in, but uh, we'll see if he comes back. But Willard not a candidate at Virginia Tech. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not. Why? I think Willard was using it as the leverage. To get a raise at Seton Hall? Yep. That isn't a job where you stay that long, though. Seton Hall? It's not. I mean, but is, is Blacksburg... For basketball? I, I, I think that's the, a totally fair point. I don't think Virginia Tech is necessarily the place that he jumped to. It is a step up in conference. Um, I think Buzz Williams proved how good a coach he is by going yep. into a Virginia Tech program that was at, literally at the bottom of the ACC uh-huh. and getting them to the Sweet 16 and uh, obviously using that opportunity to go back to Texas where he's from. So... Um, I remember BC was looking for a coach at the same time Virginia Tech was. They jumped on Buzz, and they got it done. And, look, he restored the program in just a few years' time. And the, BC is still floundering, uh, frankly, as there's a litany of coaches who are far more successful than the coach that BC has that retain their jobs. Uh, it just makes me curious why they hang on to that. But it makes sense for me. Willard may very well step up at some point, but maybe Blacksburg isn't the place to do it. Yeah, I think he might be holding out for a call from a UCLA. Or for, and I don't think UCLA is going after Kevin no, Willard. they're but, not going to call him. Um, yeah. But like the the higher echelon of the next tier of teams rather than Blacksburg. I, and Blacksburg is a fun place to, to visit. I got to call a couple of games there. Cassell Coliseum is one of the stranger basketball arenas in uh, college, at least as I remember it, because it's one level. So you just have seats that sort of go up, and it's a legitimate coliseum that it, it's seated that way, so it gets very noisy very quickly. Um, cool. It's a f- fun place. Blacksburg is very much all in on Vatek. That's an old-school setup. Some, yep. Absolutely. Dayton is, is like that. I've been to games yep. at Dayton, and they're, the Flyers, uh, yeah. it's just a, it's an old-school field house. Uh, Butler's the same way, but Dayton's like that. So those places, uh, like Dan is describing, the seats just go from the floor literally up to the ceiling and if you're in the top row you can touch the roof and it's just a slant all the way back uh but the sound uh really cascades off of those buildings really well because the roof is so low yep yeah uh, so we'll see where willard ends up I-, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets mentioned another job as the coaching carousel continues here this spring if he- his name comes up again but i would assume seton hall giving him some sort of sweetening of his contract wouldn't be uh, a big surprise here um as uh, reports coming out that he will stay after pulling out of the Virginia Tech coaching search. Uh, Pivoting back to the NBA here briefly, in the East, Mike, uh, you have the Bucs and the Raptors, 76ers, Celtics as your one through four. Celtics and the Pacers have been going back and forth, and we'll carry this discussion into the next segment. They've been playing what seems like every night over the past two weeks. I, the, the schedule just worked out that these two squads have been playing, I think, three times in the past 10 days. Well, last 15 days, I think. And now they're set to play in the first round. They're the four and five. Boston pulling ahead uh, with uh, game in hand, 
meaning the the tiebreakers in hand, and they're also a game up now on the Pacers. This isn't a Pacer squad that I think will do much damage. On the flip side, though, we've heard plenty of talk about Kyrie to the Knicks. We've seen Gordon Hayward struggle this year. Uh, this has been a team that's been a little bit enigmatic, really, but they still sit at 48 and 32. This is a squad that has Kyrie Irving, who clearly can take over uh, if he is on. Do you give the Celtics a fighting chance here in the East, or do you think that the top three squads, the Bucks, Raptors, and 76ers, are the class of it, and the Celtics are just going to be on the outside looking in? Absolutely give them a chance because of how talented they are. But <clears throat> I think one thing that I always come back to in scenarios like this is for me to expect a team that has not been playing well for a long period of time, and I could do this in a micro fashion during a game or macro fashion over the course of a season, for me to expect a team that hasn't played particularly well for 70 games or has been disappointing for 70 games to then figure it out and turn it on the second they tip off in the playoffs, I think is too much to ask. It doesn't mean they can't win a series or two. It doesn't mean that they can't figure it out. But this isn't the Warriors taking their foot off the gas because they're tired from having right. won you know, 150 games over the previous two years. This is a team that had a really great run in the playoffs last year but has struggled this year for the majority of the season. And I just don't know why I should buy into them figuring it all out. They absolutely are talented enough, and the Bucks are banged up. And can Kawhi carry the Raptors? And the Sixers, last year's experience is probably a positive for them, but it's not like they've been blowing the league away either. So... There's still a lot for those teams in Philly and Boston to figure out. I just wouldn't bet on Boston to come out of the East because I don't think they've played well for the majority of the season. And they may be shuffling pieces after the season anyway, and, and guys know it. Yeah, I think that's uh, you've heard tell, and there's been some story. That I think Rick Buecher over, where is he now? Bleacher Report, maybe? Or yeah. SB? Yeah, okay, Bleacher right. Report reporting that Kevin Durant and Knicks is a done deal. Now, we're in season, and that, that we want to talk capital T tampering. Um, but they have said he's a done deal and then followed up with, and many sources believe Kyrie Irving is, is locked to go to New York as well. Now, as a Knicks fan, fantastic. But from a Celtics perspective, I think that can play here. I think that is something these, I talk often about, they're still human. Like all of these guys are still human beings. They're, they're not just athletes. So when this sort of rumor gets going and you hear it, and you hear it again and again, you have to question how much Kyrie's bought in on this run and whether or not you can trust them down the stretch. We're going to come back on the other side, talk a little bit more NBA. We have Major League Baseball to get to and the NFL. We'll talk Russell Westbrook on the other side of this break.